0: For
1: well, good afternoon, Coastal Community Church. It's great to see you. I have been so excited all day to worship with you on Christmas Eve and celebrate the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And um, let me just... Is that you? What is going on with you today? Anyway, it wasn't you this time. All right. Well, listen, uh, first thing I want to say before I dive in here this afternoon, uh, this is family worship. We have kids in here. Sometimes kids make noise, fidget, whatever. We're thrilled they're here. All right? So don't just hang tight. It's no big deal to me, okay? Uh, Second thing, I know we're packed. So those of you who are standing and sitting out in the lobby, thank you for being here. If Those of you who made it in here and got a seat, give them a round of applause, okay? Thank you. I'm sorry. Next year maybe we'll do three, okay, of these to get everybody in. All right. Uh, let me give you a little instruction. When I'm done talking, we're going to do our candle lighting portion of the program, and uh, this keeps us from burning the building down, okay? Because we use real candles. Because I love real candles, okay? And so here's what we're going to do. If you're one of these people that close your eyes and you sway during worship, don't do that. All right. <laughs> Two songs, stand still, okay? Uh, if you've given a candle to one of your kids, do me a favor, okay? Keep an eye on them. All right. If the wax starts to burn down and burn your hand. Blow your candle out. That's okay. All right, don't come to me afterwards and burn my skin. All right, don't blow the candle out. All right, and in all series, no leaning forward. Keep it straight up. All right, it keeps us all safe, and we're gonna have a great worship time, worshiping Jesus Christ. Okay, uh, I've been doing a, a little small series um, called "The Words of Christmas" because there's certain words that we kind of pull out of the, uh, the Christmas story, and uh, we highlight. and And we've been going through these as a church. And this, this afternoon, I wanted to focus on the word joy. Right? I mean, that's kind of a you see word, that word decorated this time of Christmas, and and uh, this story uh, was written by a well-known Christian. Author author named Max Lucado and he talks about how Jesus Christ of all people lived his life with joy. I want you to hear this story. No man had more reason to be miserable than this one. Yet no man was more joyful. His home was a palace, servants were at his fingertips, at the snap of his fingers changed the course of history. His name was known and loved. He had everything. He had wealth, he had power, he had respect. And then he had nothing. Students of the event still ponder it. Historians stumble as they attempt to explain it. How could a king lose everything in one instant? One moment he was royalty, the next he had poverty. His bed became at best a borrowed pallet, and usually he slept on the hard earth. He never owned even the most basic mode of transportation, and he was dependent upon handouts for his income. He was sometimes so hungry he would eat raw grain or pick fruit off a tree. He knew what it was like to be rained on and to be cold. He knew what it meant to have no home. His palace grounds had been spotless, and and now he was exposed to filth. He had never known disease, but now he was surrounded by illness. In his kingdom, he had been revered, and now he was ridiculed. His neighbors tried to lynch him. Some called him a lunatic, and his family tried to confine him to their house. Those who didn't ridicule him tried to use him. They wanted favors. They wanted tricks. He was a novelty to them. They wanted to be seen with him, that is, until being with him was out of fashion. Then they wanted to kill him. He was accused of a crime he never committed. Witnesses were hired to lie. The jury was rigged. No lawyer was assigned to his defense. A judge was swayed by politics and finally handed down a death penalty, and they killed him. And he left as he came, penniless. He was buried in a borrowed grave. His funeral was financed by compassionate friends. And though he once had everything, he died with nothing. He should have been miserable, he should have been bitter. He had every right to be a pot of boiling anger, but he wasn't. He was joyful. He was joyful when he was poor. He was joyful when he was abandoned. He was joyful when he was betrayed. He was even joyful as he hung on a tool of torture, his hands pierced by six-inch Roman spikes. Jesus embodied a stubborn joy, a joy that refused to bend to the wind of hard times A joy that held its ground against pain. How do you have joy in difficult times? Actually, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says this about Jesus. It tells us to look to Jesus. It says, look to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Now, get this, church, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and now he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let me encourage you this afternoon with three points I want to make that I hope will encourage you as we light our candles, we worship the birth of God's Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope these three th- thoughts will give you joy. Because the angels, when they announced the birth of Jesus, said this in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. An angel reassured these frightened shepherds. He said, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. What is it about the birth of this child, Jesus Christ? Born in a feeding trough in a no-name town. What is it about this person that gives us joy? Three things. Number one. We have joy because God cares for us. The birth of this child reminds us that God cares for you and God cares for me. And this is not caring. that's just a feeling. This is caring that's in an action. God, the Apostle Paul said this in Romans chapter 5. He said, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for you. God loved you before you did anything to earn his love. He loved you not because you earned it. He loved you not because you did something first. He loved you. He intervened at Christmas time. You want to know why? Because it was his will, because it was his desire, and it was because he loves us and he cares for us. We have joy because the God of the universe loves us. Let me challenge you with this. There's some of you in this room that have been ignoring the love of God offered in Christ you will walk through life and you will try to find joy in other things and everything else will leave you bankrupt. Find your joy, find your hope, find your life in the person and work of God's son, Jesus Christ. Second thing about joy. Second thing it's important to understand about joy and about the birth of Christ. Our God is restoring all that is broken in the person and work of Jesus Christ. We have joy, I want you to hear this, We have joy because God is restoring all that has been broken through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Now, to understand Christmas, we have to go all the way back to the first story. The first story is found in Genesis chapter 3, and I'm going to summarize it here, but you have to understand the first story to understand the importance of Christmas. You see, in the first story, God created man and woman, and he put them in a perfect place. He put them in paradise. They had a perfect relationship with God. They had a perfect relationship with one another. They had, everything about their life was perfect. Their work was fulfilling. There was never a daily grind. Their burden was light. But there were true, two trees in this first story, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree, of the, the tree of life, and the one tree they were not to eat of, and yet the enemy of God slides his way into the first story. Satan himself slides his way in, and he asks Eve a question that we still ask today. They, she asked, Satan asked Eve, Did God say? See, that question is. Some of you are wrestling with that question because at the root of that question is the questioning of, is God good? Is God true to his promises? Can we really trust God and take God at his word? And so Eve begins to allow this question to work her way into her mind, and finally she disobeys God. She takes of the fruit that she wasn't supposed to eat, and sin enters the world. And from that moment on, there has been a radical shift in humanity, and all that was good and perfect is now broken and lost. And man, that we now have a broken relationship with God. We have a broken relationship with each other. Life's not as fulfilling as it was originally intended. And in fact, in the first story, God sends curses on Adam and Eve, on mankind, and on the earth. And that's the story. That's the first story. But buried in that first story is this promise of God. He says, I'm gonna gonna send a hope. I'm gonna send a redeemer that's gonna buy back all that's broken, and I'm I'm gonna rebuild all that was lost because of sin. Buried inside the first story is the hope and the joy of Christmas. And the first story reminds us that all is broken, but God did not leave us in that state because there's a second story, and that's the joy of God restoring all that's broken. When he announced to the angel, Don't be afraid man, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Jesus himself said in John chapter 16, he says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you're going to have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. You know, as we light our candle in just a moment, we're going to be mindful that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. How did he overcome the world? Well, his resurrection is proof positive that he's overcome the world. His re- the resurrection of Christ is the promise that he's gonna return and restore all that was broken. Take heart, Jesus said, man, I've overcome the world. See, if you put your hope in this world, you're putting your hope in your life in something that's broken. It's only by putting your hope in the person and work of Christ that you put your hope in the one who has overcome the world. Number two, we have joy because Jesus At Christmas, the birth of the Christ child reminds us that God is restoring all that's broken. Here's the final thing I want you to know this morning. The reason we have joy at Christmas is that God doesn't waste any difficulties. Now, here's what I mean by that. The birth of Christ at Christmas changes our perspective. It takes us off our lifetime, and it makes us step back, and we zoom out, and we see things from an eternal perspective. If you remember, Jesus said this in John chapter 3, verse 16, and a lot of y'all know this verse, probably one of the most famous verses in the Bible, where we see God, the great gift giver. John 3, 16, for God loved the world so much that he gave. What did he give? He gave his greatest gift. He gave his one and only son, so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have what? What's it say, church? will have what? Eternal life. See, our perspective is now different. We have joy because now we don't focus on the temporal. We focus on the eternal. What God is doing is something bigger than just our lifetime. So that when we go through difficulties and we go through challenges, we can step back and go, hey, you know what? This is just short. This is just a momentary thing. My life's just a temporary assignment to God doing something bigger, revealing his glory for all of eternity. And so we have joy at Christmas because God sent his son then we might have eternal life. I'm going to finish with this, and then we'll light our candles. I, I want you to imagine um, January 2nd. Actually, it's probably going to be more like January 5th. Just say January 5th, I think, is Monday, the first day back to work. And let's say January 5th, 2015 is like the worst day of your year. Like you, you wake up that morning, and you have a killer migraine, right? And you get, you get say, man, my, my head's got, you know, I need to go to the doctor, you get in your car, and you're making your way to the to the doctor, and you get hit by an uninsured motorist, right? And you realize, man, I'm out on the hook for two cars, you know, kind of thing. And, and you finally get to the doctor. He says, nothing I can do about your migraine. You finally make your way into work about noontime. Boss looks at you and says, you're not going to believe us. We're downsizing, and I'm cutting your job. You know, and you go home. You're now jobless with a migraine. You know, and you walk into the house, and, and you, as soon as you walk in the house, you and your spouse get into this argument, and it's this terrible argument, and then you find out that all all your kids, every one of your kids got in trouble at school that day. You know, it's just this terrible day. You go to bed, you're like, I can't believe what an awful start to the new year this is. And then you wake up the next day, and it's it's like a reversal of fortunes. Like, everything changes. You get up, and you get a call from a competing, comp- a competing company to your old job, and they want to offer you a position. And not only that, they want to double the pay of what you were making at the old job, right? And then, and then you find out as the week goes on that you had a long-lost relative you didn't even know you had that you inherited a couple million dollars, and now you're very, very wealthy. You're like, wow, what a what a great week this turned out to be. And then all, your marriage turns around. And you and your wife are just having a great time together. Thing, spouse, everything's going great in the marriage. And your kids are so good that your teachers start to call you because they just want to meet the most incredible parents on planet <laughs> Earth that are raising such amazing kids. Okay. And then it's Christmas Eve service of 2015, and I pull you aside, and I say, man, how was your year? And what are you going to say? It was incredible. I had an amazing year. I had the best year of my life. You know, just everything went right. And I say to you, well, what about the first day? What about January 5th? How'd that go? Oh, you know what? It's been such a great year. I almost forgot. You had, you had January 5th was a disaster, you know, but, but everything else was great, The other 350, 60 days, they were amazing. I just had, you know, it was just incredible. And that makes me think about joy. And what's that got to do with joy? Here's the point, ready? I believe because God is doing something eternal in the birth of his son, Jesus Christ, he gave his greatest gift that we might have eternal life. We're going to step back one time in the scope of eternity, and people are going to remind us about some of the challenges in life. We're going to go, oh, yeah, but yeah, that was a tough day. That was a tough moment. That was a fleeting moment, but we have joy and difficulties because we know that our lives, because of the birth of Jesus Christ, is a temporary assignment. Isn't that cool stuff? The Apostle Paul wrote about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14. He said, for our present troubles are quite, what? What's it say? It's quite small. Our present troubles are quite small, <laughs> and, we, and they won't last very long, yet they produce for us an immeasurably great glory that will last forever. And so as we light our candles here this afternoon, and we celebrate the birth of our Savior, let's, let's celebrate the one who gives hope. Let's celebrate the one who gives peace. Let's celebrate the one who gives joy. Let's worship the King of kings, the Lord of lords, God's love for us shown in the gift of his Son, Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one. And we have joy because we worship a God who cares, We have have joy because we worship a God who sent his son to restore all that was broken. And we have joy because we're reminded that life is a temporary assignment that we can use to bring glory and honor to him in all things. As we light our candles this Christmas Eve, we find joy in the child lying in the manger. Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father. We gather as your church here on this Christmas Eve, and we are mindful of the joy we have in Christ and Christ alone. Help us to take our eyes off the temporary, bow a knee to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and worship Him. And as we we gaze into the manger this Christmas Eve, we are mindful of a God who cares, a God who gave His very best gift. We're mindful of a God who cared enough to restore all that was broken because of sin. And we're mindful of an eternal perspective that our life is just a season. It's a temporary assignment where we worship you and we <laughs> long for the day when our faith becomes sight and we look back and go, oh yeah, that, that first day, it was a tough couple moments, but man, God has been great. God has blessed me with all eternity. And we long for that day that our faith will be sight. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you do me a favor? Would you stand? Would you get your candle out and join us in singing?
2: She Jesus, may you receive the honor Oh mm-hmm.
0: honor that you're due oh lord I bring an offering to you i like to read you guys just a quick passage revelation chapter 21 apostle John begins to conclude his letter and he says this I love this in the first four verses I was thinking when pastor Sean was preaching he says um He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the the former things have passed. That's what Jesus Christ does for us.
1: Amen. All right. Let me give you a couple instructions, okay? I want you to cup your hand and blow your candle out. Keeps that wax off that beautiful Christmas sweater of the person in front of you, okay? (laughs) We have a great Savior in Jesus Christ, don't we? So let me do this. On your way out, I'm going to close this with prayer in just a second. On your way out, I want to remind you over in our children's area, okay, we have some family activities. We have a photo booth if you'd like to take a family photo, and we have a small walk through Bethlehem for your kids, and then we have a gift for the kids. This is a Christmas story written by our own children's director, Elena Rogers. It's incredible, okay? So make sure you get this for your children, for your family. Uh, It's a great way to worship the Lord, okay? Let's go out church as a church body, and let's worship God with our lives as a Christmas offering, and that's going to be my prayer for you before I dismiss you this, this afternoon, okay? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for the birth of, our, of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And God, we go out this afternoon and our lives are an offering to you. We worship you in the way we speak, in the way we love, in the way we give. And uh, God, we worship you in all things. Because you are a great God who has blessed us with a great Savior. And we live in anticipation of the day when our faith will be sight. And we thank you for your Son, our Savior, our Lord, our King, Jesus Christ, who humbly came to serve us for the glory of the Father. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. On your way out, you can put your candle in a bucket. If by some chance, a couple of you have already talked to me, hey, I brought an offering. You can give that to one of the ushers on the way out. On behalf of myself and my family, have a very Merry Christmas. You're dismissed.
2: When we had gone astray Oh, time